This is CyberSound, your simplified and fundamentals-focused source for all things cybersecurity, with your hosts, Jason Pufall and Stephen Mareska. Welcome to CyberSound, everybody. I'm your host, Jason Pufall, uh, and always joined by Steve Mareska and Matt Fasaro. Hey, guys. Hello. Uh, so it is the end of 2021. Uh, so I think we're going to do that, the obligatory 2021 year in review episode. And I think we, you know, we, we spent some time talking about this, obviously, ahead of time. And I think selected four or five things that we would consider to be you know, reasonably substantive, right? Try not to touch on everything that happened over the year. Um, and we debated the first one a little bit, uh, I think, early on because – you know, 2020 probably marked the real, you know, the year of the transition from, you know, the traditional office environment to home work. But I think 2021 sort of has seen the you know, solidification of that, right? We've, we flirted with the idea of going back to the offices uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, maybe haven't. But, you know, work from home is now pretty well embedded in culture. I think people expect that to be the norm going forward. I think people expect that as they're talking to employers. Um, from a security standpoint, you know, I think that's been a big change, and and I don't see any I don't see any reason to think that's going backwards. Yeah, it, we thought we were going to be going back into the office, right? <laughs> that did not happen, um, and with with that being the new standard, um, we had a lot of people reach out to us over the year, kind of wondering how they could better deal with it. There are a lot of a lot of places had no uh, remote management of these systems, right? They they kind of just expected that these systems would be in the organization or if right. they were going to be out, they'd be out for a short period of time. That definitely didn't happen. And that sea change certainly today has echoes, as you're suggesting, you know, orgs are trying to claw back the systems that they pro uh, procured and let out the door in a hurry. Data is not necessarily under the best control. Uh, I, I think it's, it's still a problem that many organizations are struggling with. Certainly, Quite a few have returned to the office as a, a subset, but the truth is a, a decent enough proportion still have people out, are contemplating returns to home at the moment. Uh, it's not going away. And the same problems that we experienced in 2020 still persist. Uh, we, we've had multitudes of conversations about remote access struggles, facilitating policy across that the perimeter that no longer exists. Uh, it's a struggle, and I don't think anyone has really tackled it completely. Yeah, it, I think it's going to actually be very interesting when we see uh, companies trying to maybe consolidate all these new services they bought to support all this, right? So you've got a lot of places that signed up for different you know, remote meeting types of software. You've got uh, VPN implementations that happened. They've opened up services they wouldn't have normally opened up. Uh, I mean, that's definitely hit people pretty hard, and that's that's why ransomware has been such a big deal this past right. year, right? Um, but we're seeing we saw a lot of purchases that you know maybe are going to get reevaluated or changed. Some will stick around, certainly. Um, the hurried uh, move to home wasn't necessarily coupled with multi-factor, two-factor deployments. Right. This year has seen a large number of them to con continue supporting that type of work. Um, as well as more generally protect environments. Of course, that's a net improvement, right? But uh, it's sort of the coupled component to what you just mentioned, Matt. It, you know, it, it's not just security, though, uh, that has changed as a result of this. You know, we're seeing just connectivity in general uh, you know, be much more important in the home. You're, you're potentially, you've got 
you know, kids uh, or a spouse that are home, you know, competing for bandwidth. Um, you know, a lot of the collaboration that you referred to in terms of, you know, the Zoom, the Teams, the go to meetings, uh, you know, those are all bandwidth hungry apps. And if you're going to be home, you know, some companies now are talking about dedicated connections for their employees and actually, you know, making modifications to that home office where, you know, probably in 2020, it was much more like, you know, go home and use your cable modem. And that doesn't always work. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the providers were as nice as they, they can be. Uh, I know a lot of them took their, their bandwidth limits off for a while. I, I think a lot of that has come back or is coming back yeah. at this point. Uh, yeah, I know my provider is definitely back with it. But yeah, <laughs> so some people are going to be getting bills that they don't exactly want. Yeah, th- I mean, there's opportunities uh, to make some more money if you're in if you're in the data moving business, right? So, um, the and obviously, you know, 2021, just a tremendous amount of of ransomware, right? And and we refer to it often as you know, sort of the, the security plague. It's been a huge cause of mostly every incident response job that we've done, uh, you know, maybe a couple specifically targeted ones, but largely it's, you know, opportunistic ransomware opportunities and hugely effective, um, generally, you know, common ways of sort of getting that foothold, you know, phishing and exploiting, you know, patches and missing vulnerabilities. But I mean, tons of them. And I don't, I don't see any reason to expect that they're going to slow or stop, you know, in the year ahead. And, and certainly ransomware is not new in 2021. The biggest thing that we you know want to convey at the moment is that the sophistication, rigor, and general complexity of attacks has largely shifted. Uh, all along the way, it's been, you know, caused by vulnerabilities at the perimeter. It's caused by identity theft and or credential theft and similar types of weaknesses. But in 2021, biggest changes were a, a shift from merely encryption to behavior where exfiltration of data is almost a guarantee, especially at the tail end of 2021. Um, it's referred by some organizations as double extortion. You're paying right. to recover your data and print, preserve some of your reputation because your organizational data is out in the open. That's not going away. If anything, it's becoming the de facto expectation of a ransomware attack. It, 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 honestly, I, it's awfully clever. I mean, the first time that we ran across the double extortion, I thought, well, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, right, right. yeah if you're looking looking to get money, that's, that's the way. It sure <laughs> is. Um, and- you know, you're absolutely right, Steve, right? Ransomware has been around a long time. I think for us, what we felt was most substantive was um, the, the shift a little bit towards infrastructure style uh, attacks, right? We saw some some really you know, newsworthy events, you know, Colonial Pipeline being, you know, being one certainly where I think the risk of critical infrastructure being targeted or, you know, services that you're used to being impacted from these is just greater. And, I, and, and you know, no reason to expect that to go back. Right. And, you know, other topical things that were in the news, uh, the meatpacking plants being attacked uh, most recently in the last uh, week or so. Kronos, the yeah, time, yeah. timekeeping company being attacked, many employers affected as a result. Uh, ultimately, attacks against organizations that have greater involvement in everyone's day-to-day life, regardless of their employer, regardless of their industry. that That's the, the next. Um, yeah, th- this is really front and center now. It's right. not just, you don't just hear it on the news because your, your local school got ransomware. Now it's, you know, I'm not getting packages or uh, oil prices or are being affected, things like that. Um, it's much more front and center now. Right. They, they bleed into the real world. You know, they, these attacks cause purchasing changes, as you're alluding to. Right. 
certain parts of the eastern seaboard had no gas for three weeks because people decided to buy it in a panic. doesn't mean that there's a supply issue necessarily, but these are the downstream effects of, of attacks of this variety. Yeah. It, another thing that kind of changed a lot too was uh, the things we learned about a lot of the groups that are doing this, right? It's, it's almost frightening to think about a lot of infrastructure that we care about, right? Things that are like power plants and things that drive daily life are really hanging on some um, spoken agreement that a lot of these groups just won't go after it. Right, right, right. And that could be broken at any time for any reason. Uh, there, there'll be groups that are just not going to participate in that and do it anyway. But uh, the intelligence that we got out of uh, government intelligence, in the U.S. at least, uh, they have, I guess, struck deals with these people to say, hey, don't touch this, right? And we don't know what that's going to look like. In well, a year from now, I mean, you know, interestingly, right? The group responsible for Colonial Pipeline, uh, in in a certain way, I don't think fully expected the outcome of their actions. So that you know, they they stepped back and actually apologized for right. you know the attack on the infrastructure because I think they felt the whole weight of the government coming down. And you know, there there's these are really these tend to be sort of ROI driven events and not necessarily, hey, I want to cause this huge disruption. I think in that case, it was more than the attacker bargained for. Yeah. I, this this was the first year, I believe, that there was actually some type of uh, interaction with them and, and reaction, if you will. Right. They, they tried to shut down an entire group, uh, which has not been done yet. Um, well, there's a uh, you know there, there's also that push of you know let's not negotiate with terrorists to some degree, right? Right, and, and actually that's where I was about uh, to go. I it, figured. It, Matt mentioned the government, so naturally I'm thinking about the Department of Treasury. It, yep. You know, the guidance that's been issued by um, federal law enforcement is effectively that thou shalt not pay a ransom. Uh, it, it's obviously a good idea for the organizational bottom line, but at the end of the day as well, there are uh, treaties, there are embargoes, there are a variety of of reasons that you don't want to support organizations that are themselves performing ransomware attacks. And uh, ultimately, if there are uh, regulated areas of the government, if there are regulated businesses, it may actually reflect very poorly on those organizations if they are to pay a ransom. So the directive ultimately is to avoid it. And I, I think that that's a unique change. It, it's come out of CISA. It's come out of um, Department of Treasury. Typically, prior to that, there were really no comments about whether organizations should or should not pay. And it's a notable change that at least in 2021, people should be aware of well, uh, if they weren't. And you know, I think that it's easy to say uh, you know, a lot of organizations have gotten better about you know, data backups. Right? So the risk of legitimately losing data and have that huge sort of business impacting event as a result of this are, are a little bit lower. I think people understand how to protect themselves against uh, ransomware. Uh, and, and frankly, that's partly what makes that double extortion concept so brilliant, right? Because you know, ultimately they're saying, hey, you probably have access to your data and can restore. But by the way, we also have access to your data and we're going to release it. And right. uh, you know, it, it's an interesting evolution. Uh, and I think it's one of those where you know, it, an action causes uh, another reaction and then other things you have to think about that probably, frankly, weren't anticipated when, when this was going down. Uh, so, you know, I – in, in a way, I hate to say, but you know, kudos to being clever. I mean, these things evolve, and I think it's really important to watch how these change so regularly. Um, you know, it, the the other big thing that I think that we're seeing 
is a variety of entities, right? I'd say you know, insurance carriers being one. Um, there's legislation in some cases that are that are suggesting that people develop more more mature security programs. I think we're finally seeing now not just you know vague references in specific industries to adhere to a security standard, but a much broader outcry to say. If you follow a security standard, you're going to have a better security program with less risk. And we're seeing that push and we're seeing that trend you know, over and over now. And I think we're finally getting to a point where people have to adopt or really have to reasonably consider a security standard to align their security program to. Historically, the norm was, you know, it's probably a good idea right. to follow security best practices. Now the shift is, all right, we asked you to think about it before. Now, please demonstrate. And that that's the bigger change ultimately, if I were to boil it down. Um, it's now necessary, even from a business-to-business -business standpoint, to prove that data exchange and similar is protected in a rigorous kind of way, as well as uh, the, the processes and controls and organizations to support that type of thing. Yeah, there, there's just too much sensitive data and, and data that affects people's daily lives at this point where these things are needed, right? It's, it's just a public protection type thing. Um, how effective that's going to be, what, what, that remains to be seen, right? I think a lot of this is dragging its feet behind the progression of technology and threats and things like that, but it's a start. I mean, I, I'm somewhat encouraged to finally see it. I mean, let's be honest. In 2021, almost every person uh, who has credit cards, credit agencies, you name it, some degree of insurance, um, against identity theft, they've had their identity stolen. They've received a notification. The fact that it's a norm and it's taken uh, organizations until 2021 to have a more rigor about actually pursuing security maturity is unfortunate, but I'm uh, encouraged to finally see it. Yeah, agreed. Well, I think we're, we're finally at a point where it feels like a, uh, a well-organized discipline. I mean, we've, we've all been in this field now for, you know, give or take 15 or 20 years. And you know, it started out with, you know, network security person saying install a firewall to finally get into this point where you say there are things that you have to do to be more secure. And I think people are listening to that and, and start to move in the right direction, which is which is great. Um, I think finally, you know, we we wanted to chat a little bit about the fact that 2021 was probably the year of some really high profile vulnerabilities and, you know, really impactful things uh, to systems as commonplace as, you know, exchange, for example. Uh, and you know, probably more severe than previous years. It, certainly, we feel that the the vulnerabilities that we've seen have been more impactful to you know, a broader base than than probably before. I, I think that's accurate. The yeah. you know the Sands Internet Storm Center raised its um, they call it Infocon plan, DefCon, and similar. That their level to orange that hasn't happened in a very long time. Um, but more generally, uh, I think the breadth of affected organizations of the vulnerabilities that occurred in 2021 um, is far, far more substantial than in previous years. And that's the notable change. Um, and a lot, a lot of them were simple to actually exploit too. I think that was, that was a difference too. Uh, and, and maybe kind of what contributed, contributed to it being so high profile, right? We had, especially exchange in the most recent log4j, uh, these things did not take a lot of effort or sophisticated attackers to do anything with. And it's stuff that ran a lot of organizations. Right. right? So that's that's why we're seeing it so so much in the and, spotlight. And aren't easy necessarily to update, right? So I think what right. we're finding as a challenge is 
Exchange had multiple patches over multiple months, and it, and Exchange is hard to upgrade for a lot of people. And Log4j, difficult to really get clarity on you know, how pervasive is it in your environment and what do you actually need to fix. And you're, and you're heavily reliant in some cases on hardware vendors to fix that and some other things. So high profile and not easy to address. Yeah, and Log4j did two things. I think it, it really brought to the forefront the 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 very basic thing that we tell everyone is you need inventory of things, right? Nobody had any idea where this thing is running, right? Uh, th- it took, I think, most organizations quite a bit of, <laughs> probably the better of two days, right, to actually find out all the software that they were using that might have that installed and to actually have that uh, uh, remediated. Uh, and then the other thing was realizing that you're relying on software sometimes that, I mean, I think it was just a couple people that actually manage Log4j from a code development standpoint. Right. These things are propping up large enterprise level type software, and and their support base is low. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, that and it's embedded everywhere. Exchange. Right. Everyone. Well, not everyone, but most organizations use Exchange. Um, most organizations with web apps or complex business uh, intelligence, business management, uh, HCM type capabilities, they use Java stacks. It's embedded yeah. everywhere. The ubiquity of some of these underlying pieces of infrastructure mean that even organizations that weren't quite aware that they might be impacted were in fact when they looked a little closer. Um, I, I don't know. One, one unique aspect of that is that the, the issues we've just gone over uh, so proxy shell for um for exchange, for exchange yep. uh log for shell or whatever you want to call it for the log for j issue uh, print nightmare you know th- those were all things that use deeply embedded components of the operating systems or application stacks um exchange and log for j were largely vulnerabilities exposed over the network perimeter to the internet obviously there are lots of internal apps that are vulnerable with those issues but the point is that the accessibility of some of the vulnerable services was unusually high with uh, some of the vulnerabilities in the last year. And that that's a defining factor because the whole world was left scrambling as a result. Yeah. I, I think what, what this past year kind of showed us is that if, if there are weaknesses in software that gets used quite a bit, people are going to find them now. There's just enough people looking. There's better tools out there now that used to be very difficult to use. They're, they're actually very accessible or in some some cases open source completely. Uh, so it's the it's not very difficult to get into this anymore. Other infrastructure that, you know, meets a similar level of uh, ubiquity, you know, virtualization, VMware, hypervisors mm-hmm. are now being attacked. Uh, certainly we've seen that right. in some of our incidents in the last year. And it, it makes sense. I would want to attack a VMware infrastructure if I were... Um, a malicious entity. It's just easier to undermine systems that are otherwise better protected. And I think that that's the biggest takeaway. Vulnerabilities are being prioritized for those that have the largest possible impact with lowest effort. And certainly that that's, of course, the the goal from any security researcher or malicious entity's perspective. But the fact that we've had so many so quickly over a multitude of months is, uh, you know, cause for a lot of pain in 2021, compounded by the fact that it seems as though each of them has had multiple patches that, you know, didn't quite resolve them. Well, so that actually that 
there's two things that have jumped out to me over the year. I feel like there's been a variety of times where we've all sat in a room and said, wow, I've, I've never seen that before. And I didn't, I don't feel like I've, you know, in the last couple of years have had those discussions and, you know, the double extortion stuff, the first time we saw it, we're like, well, you know, that, you know, that's something. And the attack on, you know, VMware specifically in some cases, you know, we, we didn't see. Um, and I think the, sort of the other part uh, is discussion around, hey, we need to craft communication to our clients and yet we can't give explicit guidance on how to address something. And that, that's that been really challenging, right? We really like to say, here's a known vulnerability or a new vulnerability and here's how you fix it. In a lot of cases, it's been, here's something really new. And by the way, we need to let this develop a little bit before we give you clarity on how to move forward. And right. that, that's been different for sure. Um, you, we we kind of talked about four of them. Uh, any one in particular jump out to you as, you know, hey, this this is something I want to watch, you know, maybe going forward or, or you know, something that you know, really makes you concerned about kind of where we're going as an industry out of curiosity? Vulnerabilities are sort of a constant background noise. Um, there will be years where it's similar to 2021 in terms of urgency and tempo. Others will be quieter. Uh, that requires constant attention. Uh, I think ransomware has been regularly in the mind of uh, defenders for long enough that it's still, it's it's relatively well understood. I, I would say that the things to keep in mind are more along the lines of the maturity requirements that are right. cropping out of the woodwork because they're a bit of a surprise for some organizations. And um, I mean, we'll be talking about that as, you know, in a more detailed way for cyber liability, for sure. Right. Th these are requirements that organizations require uh, must must require self reflection introspective attention and a lot of the time that's not prioritized and yeah. it, it's now the time to think about that i mean th that's the one that jumps out to me i it, honestly it i feel a certain amount of optimism that uh you know insurance carriers are pushing this a little bit more aggressively that you know there's some there's some regulatory requirements in certain industries that we're seeing uh, but there's a general it feels like there's more of a buzz around adhere to a standard and and improve your program. And I feel like that it, it's so necessary because you know, I find so often we're we're in that reactive space a lot, right? In, in instant response, um, I'm really optimistic that we'll move a little bit more into a proactive space, and companies will start to really pay attention to these these fundamental components of a lot of these frameworks and make some improvements. Um. So with that, you know, as always, you know, we, we welcome people to, to reach out to us on uh, LinkedIn at Vancord or on Twitter at Vancord Security. Um, continue this discussion. I suspect there are people who would say, hey, there's a bunch of really notable things that you missed in your 2021 year in review. And we're all ears, right? If there's something that you think jumps out to you that we just didn't cover, um, we're happy to either follow up with that with a subsequent episode or hear why maybe you think one of the things that we put in this list probably doesn't belong there. We're, we're interested in all of that. Um, as always, we hope you got some value out of this and found it interesting and uh, continue listening to future episodes. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Stay vigilant, stay resilient. This has been Cyber Sound.